You're listening to the Con Artist Podcast. The art of confidence through the creative mind with Allison Robertson and Blake McIver. Hi, Allison. Hello, Blake. How, How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We are here. We are here. <laughs> when our listeners are listening to this podcast, there will be a new president in the White House, physically sitting in the White House. I know. I know. It's, it's still December right now, so we're still in that lame duck waiting period. But when when our listeners are going to be listening to this, it's Joe so Biden exciting. will be the president and Kamala Harris will be the vice president. And I'm just really jazzed about it. I know. I know. Everyone's <laughs> dancing. Everyone's doing a happy, happy dance. We are free. We oh. are free. <laughs> Finally. 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 And it's 2021. I kind of oh. like the rings of that. Yeah. It just feels right. We're here. We're here. Finally. And I'm, and I am in the first full week of 50. Oh, that's right. You are. What in the hell? And I, I love, mean... I love all of it. I love the birthday celebration. I loved it all. I mean, yeah, it's not it's... quite the birthday celebration I wanted, but I loved it either way. It was lovely. It, was it feels lovely. like 40 was five minutes ago. Oh my God. It was like the best. It was, but. <laughs> It was but like five know, minutes ago. You know, I know we've talked about this extensively, but it we are we are having a big 51st birthday party. Yes, 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 yes. The end. So we're not talking about it. <laughs> we um, can just keep planning. Um, I'm but, excited but, about our guest today. Oh my gosh. I mean, first of all, she's lovely, she's beautiful, she's extremely talented. You've worked with her. I have. Yeah. I have. And she was like my saving grace in the cast because we became fast friends my first day of rehearsal. We did a musical called together called A Walk to Remember. Which, let me tell our listeners, when Allison uh, first got cast in this, she called me in a panic um, because she did not know any of the 90s pop songs that were included in this jukebox musical adaptation. And she had never seen the seminal classic Mandy Moore film upon which this musical was based. And yes. I was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was horrified. I mean, I just well, growing up as an adolescent in the late '90s in in Christian school, this movie was so frigging important. I mean, yes. there was not a girl that did not sing that song at every talent show or every end of year spring sing. Whatever, like it was just it I mean, was what, everything. What year did a Walk to Remember come out? I don't remember, 98, 99, I don't know, something like that. I, yeah, I could be like, wrong. Maybe I mean, it was later, I don't know. I just, I feel like I was in junior high or high school when it came out. I was planning my first wedding. So <laughs> it was not on my list. Oh, 2002, okay, I got there, 2002. Oh. So I was I was a junior in high school. So yeah, oh, target, mar target market. Okay, I was buying my second house. So I was doing <laughs> adult stuff. Oh, so you weren't. <laughs> You weren't crying over a dying Mandy Moore? <laughs> no, I was not. I was not. I was busy. Um, <laughs> I was busy being a career woman. Yes. So, but in, we did a jukebox musical, Walk to Remember, here in Los Angeles, which which may or may not have been traumatic for me. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll leave that for a very special episode later on, maybe season two of A Con Artist. I loved it when I saw it, by the way. Not it that was, anyone cares about my review, but I loved it. <laughs> and and Dia, our our, our guest, guest today, uh, played the Mandy Moore character, yes. which was very exciting. And she's really something. This one, she's yeah. she's she's very humble, very gracious. Like I said, very beautiful, very talented. 
very talented. Very unassuming. And you don't know how talented this one is. And I feel like, you know, we have these guests on that surprise our audience. Yeah. And they have all these hidden gems and all these. So I'm very excited to hear from her. I cannot wait to talk to her. So let's just go ahead and bring her in. We are so excited to welcome our guests. Let's bring her on in. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, she is a singer, songwriter, actress, a, a true multi-passionate talent. And we are thrilled to welcome her to the Con Artist Podcast. Please welcome Dia Frampton. Oh, thank Hi. You. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am so thrilled you are here because she is super special to me because I had the pleasure of working with Dia and I'm just so thrilled that I now get to ask you all these really fun questions and have you on our show, The Con Artist. This is so awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. The last time I saw you, the world was a very different place. So here we are over Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Live theater, remember that. <laughs> I I'm not familiar. I <laughs> what is that? We'll, we'll have to tell the kids what it was like. I mean, it's shocking. It's shocking. But here we are. Well, on the con artist, uh, as we always tell our guests, we like to start at the end and work backwards. We don't, we don't, we don't interview in, in any sort of sequential order. So tell us about, tell us about last year, 2020, the craziness that was. You uh, had a film come out last month. And you had a single come out in the middle of all of this craziness. So you really didn't let 2020 get you down. How, how, was, how was that year, that experience for you? That's incredible. First of all, that's incredible. Thank you. Um, I definitely had a few months where I didn't do anything. So I feel like the Fair. first few months of quarantine, I just sat at home feeling sorry for myself and was confused <laughs> and was also, you know, like we were just saying, I think I thought I it was just going to last for a month or two. So mm -hmm. I, I just didn't do anything because I thought everything was going to start up again and I'll just kind of catch up on my reading. And now I feel like everybody's learning to adapt and work under the circumstances. And I feel like people who have been able to change quickly and go with what's happening have been the most successful, whether it's a small business or an artist or whatnot. So I just started writing and thankfully I can still work in music at home. Things have definitely changed. My I definitely potted with a very small group of people, actually literally two people. So usually I'll work with a bunch of different artists, maybe 20 different artists a month. And now it's just been the same two people, but it's been fine. Right. But that sort of the, the bravery of that adaptation, I think is a really, uh, is a really cool thing because like you said, you know, we're as, as creatives, we're used to, to intense collaboration and a variety of collaboration. And now here we are sort of having to hunker down and just, <laughs> just have access to the only things we have access to. Um, but, but good for you for powering through and continuing to create. Where did you find, how did you find inspiration in this time? Because I've, we've been talking to a lot of creative people in different corners of media. And it's always fascinating to me to hear where you found a source of strength and a source of inspiration in the midst of a time that has been so dark and so twisty and so re really many peaks and valleys, right? Throughout this whole thing. Mm -hmm. I think inspiration just kind of pops up. It's weird. I, I can't remember how she phrased it exactly, but I really love Elizabeth Gilbert and her book, Big Magic is about being creative. And she said that sometimes these things kind of come through you and you can either latch onto them and 
make them something or you can let them go and somebody else is going to take that idea. And it seems a little frou-frou and mystical, but there is something to that. I think sometimes ideas will pass through and then if they inspire you enough, you'll take them and make them your own. For example, I've been watching a lot of holiday movies lately same. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a sucker for cheesy holiday movies that, I mean, there's the classics, like it's a wonderful life and home alone, but then there's a lot of these kind of lifetime movies or Netflix, um, holiday movies I've just been watching and there's such a formula to them. And my friend was like, you should write one for fun. Like, why not? And I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. And that kind of stuck with me for a while. And I kept thinking about it. And maybe it's just because I'm in Christmas land. And I really am a Christmas human. Like I make eggnog, I bake, I I just drove down a Christmas tree lane here near Pasadena or Altadena. Oh, yeah, I love yeah. it. So mm-hmm. I'm that person. So it's been kind of ruminating. And I've been writing down notes for a little Christmas movie. And so that's been an idea that stuck that kind of just popped out from somebody saying something like you love Christmas, won't you write one you're not doing anything right now. <laughs> but that's something but that's something so many people don't realize is that when we are in chaos, mm-hmm. that opportunity is there. And so yeah. many times people say but it's chaos, it's chaos and, and they see the negative, but there is opportunity in chaos. And those that are multi-passionate and those that are creative, that's the time that you need to see that brilliance. You need to see that bright spot and you need to jump in. This yeah. is the time where the magic can be made. And that's what I think Elizabeth Gilbert is referring to. Yeah. Right? Jump in and play, jump in and play. I Again, I love the reframing of that because I had not, it, the, funny enough, to me, that almost sounds less airy-fairy and frou-frou when you think about it as like an idea being a tangible thing that's like, if you take it and you make it your own and you create through it, then it's yours as opposed to if you let it go, it could be someone else's. You know, it, 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 it puts ownership back on us as creatives to, to do the work, which I, I really love. That, that actually is, I find very inspiring and not particularly airy-fairy at all. There was a quote that I read recently that I'm going to butcher, but it was something like when the hard times come, you can let it grind you down or you can let it polish you. And that was just really nice to me. It's really about how you see things. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a time to try to create if you have the energy and writing is free sitting down at my computer and writing a Christmas movie that will probably never see the light of day is totally free and something I can do whenever I want. So why not? Absolutely. I have a question for you. You know, you said you're used to creating with 20 other artists and now you sort of potted up with only two others. How has that changed your creativity? How has that, other than less ideas, has it changed your music? Has it changed how you collaborate? Has it deepened things? Has it altered your music? I think it's actually been better because my sister and I, We have a band called Meg and Dia. Her name's Meg. But our last album was pretty electronic, kind of poppy. And we, when we wrote, we would go in with producers and we would usually start with a beat or, you know, a drum loop and a bass part and kind of write around that. And just because Meg and I have been writing over Zoom because she's in Texas, we've been, you know, I don't know how to do make drum loops or beats or anything. And neither does she. All we know how to do is play piano and acoustic guitar. 
So all of our music's been sounding a lot more folky and rootsy and kind of live and more organic. And uh, it's I think our next album's going to be pretty soft and pretty folky because because of the nature of how it's been made. And it's been great and way more focused because instead of working with all these people who are throwing ideas at us, it's been easier to find out who we are and what we want to say because we've just been working with one person who's been really guiding us and there's not too many cooks in the kitchen. And has it always been you and your sister? Yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us about you two and and your career and how you two got started. Yeah, Meg and I sang together. We started a band long before. It's funny because most people think I just kind of popped up on The Voice season one, which was nine years ago or something. But Meg and I put out like four or five albums before that. We'd toured a lot. We were on Warner Brothers Records. And after The Voice, they signed me. They didn't sign the band. My sister and I had a really contentious, troublesome relationship after that. We almost, we barely spoke for five years. Yeah, we actually, (laughs) we just did a TED Talk this year about the power of words and how we learn to communicate with each other. And um, we went to therapy together. Like couples go to therapy, sisters yeah. go to therapy. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad you I just- mean, sisters I mean- and bandmates, that's a, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever gone to therapy with another human? Yes. yes. And it's intense. <laughs> we're both like, you just see, we're both like, we're both leaning in. Nobody, they can't, people on the podcast can't see it, but we just both leaned in. We're very close to you. We're like, keep talking. Tell us everything. Uh-huh. It, well, I it's mean, so interesting because people always think, well, lots of people don't believe in therapy and I, I'm the opposite. I love therapy, but lots of people think it's just for, you know, a couple's therapy, but you can go in with your mom. You can go in with your sister like I did. And it helps so much. Well, people think it's, they think it's for romantic or children and parent, mm-hmm. right? right? They never, you can, anyone, please listen to this. This is the PSA. Anyone and everyone can go to therapy yes. and please do immediately. And benefit from it immensely. But first of all, I, I, I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. we, well, both, both Blake and I are going to ask you, we, we definitely want our audience to hear about your journey on The Voice, but I was going to ask how that affected the two of you. And clearly it did, because I can't imagine if you've been a duo your whole life when one gets attention. And how did you decide that therapy was the route? I mean, was this something you two were uh, accustomed to going to therapy or is this just something you decided like, no, us as family members or as a band, it was more important? Or how did you get, how did you get to this this path. Um, Meg and I both have, had gone to therapy before alone, but it just got to the point where she would talk to me or I would say something. And I just felt like we were ships passing in the night. I wasn't listening to her. She wasn't listening to me. And Meg and I are both, when I say we didn't speak for five years, it's not like some reality TV show where we're like crazy people and we're, right. you know, at the family dinner table throwing food at each other. It was a very, that's the kind of the hard thing is like, if you sat with Meg and I in a room over Christmas dinner with our family, you wouldn't really notice that we didn't really interact with each other. We kind of just would, you know, not really com- converse with each other. And I, tur- we have five sisters. So it was really easy to <laughs> spread out the attention elsewhere. Yes. But it just got to the point where we were like, man, we used to be best friends and we, you know, if our family leaves to go play a card game or something and it's just Meg and I in the kitchen, it's kind of like, 
So how's the weather? Cool. Nice. Um, okay, bye. <laughs> it was just so yeah. weird. And we went to therapy and we went multiple times and it was definitely a long-term reorganizing and reconstructing the way we related with each other and being more respectful of each other. And Meg needs a lot more alone time. And I'm kind of the type of person who's like, if she doesn't want to hang out with me, like we're in Wisconsin on our day off on tour and Meg's going off to like the park on her own. She didn't want to come watch a movie with me. She hates me. And <laughs> you know, Meg's just a person who likes her own space. So it took a lot of just understanding each other, but yeah, we did a, a Ted talk on basically us falling apart and coming back together that I think comes out in a couple of weeks, but it was really weird. Cause we had to do the talk to nobody. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, there was supposed to be a bunch of people and then they were like, we'll have, you know, 20% capacity. And then they were like, no, we're just going to have oh. a camera. Just look into that and talk to everyone. So it was a weird TED talk. I think that's been another thing uh, that's been so hard for all of us as creatives and especially performers this year is adapting to an audienceless world. <laughs> yeah. Because these virtual moments that, you know, we're all trying to pour our heart and soul out as much as possible and maintain the quality of, of our work. But a lot of it, when it, when it comes to performing and, and engaging in public speaking, it's, it's really tough when it's just the silent internet out there. <laughs> well, we've had to reframe who we are as creatives, right? Uh, why are you really doing what you're doing, right? Are you doing it to, to share your creativity? Are you doing it to share your message? Or are you doing it for the applause and listen? It's okay for all three. We, we all get up at some point to, to share our, as performers and as creatives. But if you're doing it for that applause or for that feedback, this was not the year. <laughs> this no. was not the year <laughs> for that. <laughs> There's some kind of weird comfort in knowing that everyone's in the same sinking ship. <laughs> and yes. I feel like I always put value on me as a human, depending on how my career is going. So if I'm having a slow year or not getting any auditions or like not getting any callbacks or music's kind of weird, then my value meter is like down to a 10. Mm -hmm. And if I get like a guest star on a show, I'm like, oh, I'm an important person again. Like I have value to give people, which it's so terrible to, you know, have your worth by the peaks and valleys of your career. Right. We talk about this a ton on yes. our show, which I'm, I'm so glad that you brought it up. We, we do so much work uh, around the imposter syndrome and how uh, those of us as creatives, where we do have to find our, we have to find our value outside of our talent because our, our talent is inherent. Our talent is our craft. It's what we work on. It's what we do, but it is not the value of our being. It's not the value of our soul. It is a beautiful thing and it is a gift that we give and that we derive much passion from mm -hmm. but it it cannot be the center of our worth because then well, all of those things like you just said start creeping up then every little piece of minutia in our year or in our in our week even you know even if it's just that callback like you said like that that can't be oh gosh I'm not worthy just mm -hmm. because you know yeah, it's really easy for me at least to feel unlovable when I'm having a, a slow year. And right. that's so shitty. <laughs> and I know it's not right. If, if you, you know, if I was speaking to a friend, I would never say what I say to myself. Well, that's, right. that's the key. 
but the, but being able to say it right and I always say to my kids please stop talking to yourself that way you're talking to somebody I love please stop talking that way I would never allow someone to talk to you the way you are talking to yourself mm-hmm. and I say that to Blake and I say that to you I mean as the creative we say the things that go on in our heads is really 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 harsh I I think and I and, and like Blake said we do talk about that that imposter syndrome and our self-worth and our self-confidence how do we keep that high and I think this year we have been taught a valuable lesson because that scale of auditions and booking work has been taken away and I think we've all learned hey we've had to create our own work our own self-worth meter Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with a paycheck and has nothing to do with a callback, has nothing to do with an audition. So I, I think that that, those, that scale has been changed for us this year. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank God. Thank God. I think we could all use a little bit of reminders of that. And speaking, uh, honestly, speaking towards that, to, the, to, the, to that second step, the, the mm-hmm. confidence step. Tell me about, so when you and your sister got back together, right, and started making music together again, what was that like? How did that affect the confidence of the work that you that you had done before? Because obviously, already massively successful before, so like you had yeah. magic, and then you you came apart. And talk to me about the, the confidence of, of being able to put that magic back together that is clearly so very much still there. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, this might seem super cheesy, but it's just kindness like that's where the confidence comes mm-hmm. from is just being vulnerable and you know how you treat people in your family sometimes really shitty but you'll treat a stranger really nice yeah it's kind of like that and um just the other day I what I sent Meg a song idea and she said she texted something back like oh it's really boring at this part and then she texted again like let me reword that this part's really great Uh, at two minutes, it kind of loses me a little bit. And I think that we can make it a little bit more some, you know, powerful. (laughs) And so it's like little things like that. And um, I dropped the ball, we were supposed to do an interview and I slept in and totally forgot about it. And I texted her and she's like, I've kind of been feeling like I've been doing a lot of these things alone. And this is the second thing that you kind of missed or were late to. And I need help here. And I was like, I'm sorry. And it was a really vulnerable and truthful. I'm sorry. Cause I mm-hmm. felt bad. And I was like, this will not happen again. You will, I will, will not be late. I will not sleep in. And I, you know, that was, it's just these little moments where I feel like we're making forward movement. So fascinating. So it didn't change your passion or your talent. And it's really interesting. You said the word kindness right? That it, that it, it, it elevated, what elevated your connection is kindness, mm-hmm. which if you listen to anything about our show, we're all about that. I, we love when people talk about being kind yeah, because that's what changes everything for people. Well, and what a brilliant thing to remember in an industry yeah. that is so often, you know, we think of music as things like cutthroat and, mm-hmm. you know, we use all these buzzwords like tenacious and 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 all these sort of like words that connotate like standing in trenches and fighting yes (laughs) and to and to lead from kindness how powerful is that and to and to and to find your 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 music and find your 
your passion and where your music and your passion overlap in a place of kindness is so powerful and and such a brilliant thing to remember. And I and I hope that our listeners can hear that and and translate it to whatever whatever they do, where whatever their passion is, wherever their creative mind sits, because that is just such a, a powerful piece of this. Yeah. And can we stay here for one more second? Because I have a question because you are a duo and because you are you have performed as a solo artist and with great success, and which I do want to talk about. But before we step out of that, how do the and I wish we had your sister here, maybe next time we can have her here too. How do you deal with the imposter syndrome or any lack of confidence that you have in a, in a duo with each other? I mean, I, I hear you just reframed it. You, you reframe your, your speaking, but you worked on yourselves. But how, how do you deal with that when you have your own insecurities or your own imposter syndrome sneaking up? Yeah, I feel like with my sister, I can, she knows me so well that there is a comfort there that I didn't have when I was on The Voice or I didn't have when I was doing the play with you. Um, Allison and I did a walk to remember together. And, um, you know, when I go up to somebody and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling really scared right now. They're just like, oh, take a shot of whiskey. You'll be good. And that would be a walk to remember. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Actually, Allison, I feel like you saw into me on the, when we were doing that play them that when you when I was kind of having my moments you could see that it was really happening and going on because I feel like sometimes some performers are kind of like so nervous right now and then they go out and they're like um, you know I've had such bad nerves on stage that I've gone to see hypnotherapists for nerves I went to an actual doctor to see if I could take I don't know what the drug is called out of van it might be out of van yeah, it's some kind of just a, uh, just a guess off the top of my head. I don't know. Like, <laughs> is it pros? I I can't remember a what beta, it is. a beta blocker. <laughs> a beta blocker. Yes. So, and I always was against that because I was like, I don't think that's not real. I can't go out there with drugs. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm so scared. I want to perform at my peak. And if this fear is literally closing up my throat, sometimes I want to try a beta blocker. So I went to the doctor. Weirdly enough, she was like, you can't take these because you have really low blood pressure naturally, and it's going to drop you into a scary zone. So you can't take these. And I'm like, low blood pressure. I feel like I'm like, you know, (laughs) unfortunately, I could not take a beta blocker. But, you know, it. I'm just saying that because to share that it has gotten to that point where I've looked to drugs, I've looked to hypnosis, I've looked to meditation to try to calm myself down. But for example, when Meg and I did the TED talk, it was really scary, even though there wasn't an audience, just that production when people were like, in five, four, that's just always never a good place to be. (laughs) You know, walk out, hit your mark, look at the camera. We're going to, it's just felt so weird. And it was live. So I just looked at Meg and I was like, well, this isn't going to kill us. (laughs) Like, that's true. And I'm like, in five minutes, it's going to be done and we'll be alive. Yep. Literally, we just kind of laughed it off, even though we were both super nervous. But at least I had that there because I feel like not a lot of people have that same understanding of where you you are at. Right. 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 But I think it's so important for people to hear that people get terrified, but they right. still perform, that they still do it, you know, that you feel the feelings, but you go through with it anyway. You know, that you seek out things that you're like, okay, this is crazy, but I'm going to seek out this doctor. I'm going to seek out this solution. Okay, I'm not going to do that. But you do 
go through the motions of looking for things to help you feel better. I mean, I, I know Blake and I talk, have talked about things in the past of like, what can I do to feel better? What can I do to help myself? And it doesn't necessarily mean you will take the action, but you will seek out the information. Mm-hmm. Blake, thoughts on that? Well, I think, yeah, I think that's a really great point because what you essentially just said is is taking the shame off of the top of it, right? Looking for a solution. And I think so many people get so mired in the shame of like you like you even were alluding to like, well, why would I need uh, something to, to, to get through that? You know, why would I need an external force to get through that? Some people have chemical problems and that's okay. <laughs> you, you might need to take something to get your chemicals under control so that you can actually perform like your body is intending to perform. And I think that's so powerful to remember. And thank you for being so open and sharing uh, the various uh, stages of trial and error. Because I think that's also another thing that people don't think about is not everything is an exact science, right? We don't get the answer on the first try. The first doctor, the first drug, the first hypnosis, the first therapy session, the first intake, like it's not always going to be the magic wand. So it, it is a trial and error and to not get down on yourself while you're going through that is also such an important thing to remember, which you just so brilliantly stated. Yes. Now I have a question because I, I'm curious and I think because what you did is, is amazing. I want to go back to when you stepped out on your own and were a on the voice mm-hmm. right and talking about nerves and and being the first time in front of the chairs and opening your voice and was someone going to turn around and can you tell our our audience about that experience i mean i can't imagine if you were nervous about a ted talk in front of nobody and and that's the first i mean no one had ever seen the show you were then the first season so you you didn't know what was going to happen yeah and here's four chairs and you open your mouth and maybe someone will turn around. Maybe somebody won't. I mean, what the hell were you thinking? Um, I think I was kind of just, I, I coasted through that like a deer in headlights. And I strongly believe that if it had been season two and I had seen the show one, I would have never auditioned. Cause that's, I'd just be too scared. And Two, you know, I would have had an idea of like, okay, this is that, this is what the battle is going to be like, where you're actually singing with somebody and something looks like a boxing ring. (laughs) There's a live band, there's a big production, like you could kind of, and you'd get an idea of like the, the critiques and what people are saying. But I really just didn't know what was going on. When I went out to audition, I was working at Crumbs Bakery in New York and just kind of at a low point in my life, Megan Dia had just gotten dropped. We put out an independent album that we put all our money into and never made it back. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to work at a bakery and be in New York and have the New York experience in my early 20s. And then our manager, who was kind of, you know, not really doing anything for us because we weren't doing anything at the time, but we still still speak because he's our, he's our friend. And he just said, you know, why don't you come audition for this show? But when I auditioned, there were four coaches that I didn't know who any of them were because they weren't cast yet at that point. Mm. So it was really just like these four people are going to coach you through. It could have been like oh my, God. my neighbor. <laughs> you know, I didn't I didn't know that it was a caliber of Christina Aguilera or Adam Levine. 
Right. And when I went and auditioned at first, you don't go straight to the blind audition. You audition for the executives first, and then you have a callback with the executives and producers, and then you have a third callback, and then you have a background check, and you take some tests and make sure you're mentally sound and capable to be under pressure like that. So there's a lot of steps before you actually hit the blind auditions. And I just remember seeing it because they had me walk out on stage and watch the person who went before me was Nakia, which it didn't do the same order on television, but it was Nakia. And he just sang this crazy song and he has this crazy, loud, amazing voice. And I just remember watching him and I was like, I'm going to literally shit my pants right now. Like, <laughs> I'm going to shit my pants on live TV. And it was just, and, and the only thing I'm thinking is like, shit my pants. What's the first line? Shit my pants. Uh, 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 like, I was like, I can't remember the first line. And then you just go out and somehow the lyrics come out. You're like praying to God. <laughs> Nothing crazy happens. And I just remember thinking like, if nobody turns around, I'm going to be so embarrassed. Like, mm. I'm going to feel so stupid being here. And I was like, that was the only thing going through my head is like, let me get through the blinds with one person turning around and then you can send me home. Like, I don't care how far I get. I'm going right. to feel so dumb. But of course, again, going back to that amazing singers saying no one turned around and I wasn't like, look at that dumb, bad singer. I was like, right. look at that amazing person who got sent home. What's happening? How did that happen? You know, we're always right. in our head thinking that other people are going to think what they don't. Right. That is such, I mean, that is so invaluable. What you just said is that you weren't thinking, oh, how stupid is that person that didn't have somebody turn around? You were like, how did that not, yeah. how did they, they're so amazing. How did that not happen? Yeah. Right. That's a perfect example of like us being worse to ourselves than we are to anyone else. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here you are freaking out, but you can't see the forest through the trees. Right. Did I say that right? Trees. The, I always, I'm terrible. Yeah, at for the tree. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So when, so when Blake turns around the other Blake, when the other Blake turns around, what do you think? Do you know it's him at that point? Do you know that that it's those judges or, or is that when you yeah, find out? It's I knew him? that I knew that it was them at that point. And I just thought like, good Lord. And there there's something very comforting about country music to me because I grew up listening to country music, which is a side note, because I, I grew up listening to country music. I, I yodeled at the state fair in Utah I oh yodeled all the time. I sang like Tanya Tucker, Mary Chapin Carpenter, Patsy Cline, Dixie Chicks. And yes. um, my dad, who said it in a loving way, but he was just like, you have to start singing pop because there's no such thing as a country Asian music artist. And I was just like, <laughs> what? Like a kid doesn't understand that. I'm like, what right. do you mean a country music Asian what? Like I'm singing it. I'm singing it right now. I am, <laughs> you know, which is kind of cool because I just did a holiday movie and in the film, I'm a country music singing artist. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> what a great full circle thing. Mic drop 25 years later. I love that. That's fantastic. Sorry, I pulled us off key. No, no, that's that's an amazing, that, that's, that's an amazing wonderful. segue. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay, so, all right. So, the, I mean, I was just very curious, like what is, for me, for psychologically, I'm just curious, like we don't ever hear like what's going through truly going through someone's head when that's happening. I mean, we figure like, oh, you're excited, but I would figure like you're freaking out. Like you're, you're grateful that he turned around, but at the same time, are you thinking like, please just 
like you're saying, just send me home. <laughs> Thank God you picked me, but send me home. I'm, I'm thrilled, but send me home. Or you, or do you ever get the competitive, okay, now I'm in, now I want it. Like, is there ever something yeah. that switches? I think towards the end, after I did Heartless, which was kind of like the first independent time I could sing that wasn't the blind after the battles was the first time I kind of was like, maybe I could get a little further than I thought I could. But then of course I was like, don't be stupid. Like, don't even like, don't, don't think about the future. Just focus in the now. Like you're not going to get that far. And it was kind of that imposter syndrome, but I mean, there is something important about just staying focused to the task at hand tomorrow. I'm going to work on this song and that's what I'm working on. Instead of like wondering if I'm going to get here, like if they're going to like this song and it's, it really is like staying in the present. Isn't just kind of a spiritual mantra it really is to keep our sanity in a way. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the only way that you can go through an experience like that when there are so many external forces, you know, you're in a, you're in a cave of, of noise essentially. So staying focused on the task right in front of you is, I, I feel like that's the only way you can get through a situation and an experience like that without completely losing your mind. <laughs> I feel like though, sometimes when you have big experiences like that like the thing that I remember most about the blind audition wasn't the blind audition or the chairs turning or the commentary it was the bath I took afterwards right like I just sat in the bathtub and kept putting hot water in and like my fingers were wrinkling and I was kind of like oh <laughs> like I just remember the bath and that's you know, that's what I remember the most yeah because I think it was probably the only moment that you're like, okay, I'm truly in, in a world that I can understand. It's the yeah. world I can absolutely grasp at this yeah. moment, or it's the world I can control. Yeah. Right. But I right. think, I think the thing, the takeaway for our creatives that are listening is stay present, stay present. Don't get into the future. Don't get into the future. Stay present. And that's where you can do your best work. It's the only place you can do your work yeah. is present. And I want to, I want to ask you in in uh, sort of in the same vein, um, in coming out of that crazy experience, you know, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people when you have a thing that people can grab onto and go, oh, you're 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 this singer from this show, you know, and and you are so much more than that, and your and your craft and your and your experience and your expertise comes from so much longer before and has continued so much longer after. How do you as an artist sort of go, okay, well, that's great. That happened. That was the tool, but that's not the only thing I am. And how, how do you keep that focus? Cause it seems like you've done a really great job of ebbing and flowing through throughout mm. music and records and now acting and, and it's really inspiring. And, and I know that a lot of people that have had, you know, those, those flash moments, they, they get so frustrated because it's like, no, 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 I'm not that, yeah. <laughs> but you seem to have done it so well. So can you tell us a, a little bit about that? journey? I feel like, I mean, with time, it just kind of moves you forward. And for a while, I kind of played the voice card for a long time. For quite a few years afterwards, I got opportunities because of the show. I got to tour in Asia because it, you know, it'd be so weird because all of a sudden I get big pop-ups on my in Instagram in the Philippines or in, in <laughs> South Africa. And I was like, what's happening? And then I, and I realized that the voice was airing over there now just a little ah. bit later. So there were different opportunities that popped up to travel and play shows worldwide. And, and also with acting, I got a lot of auditions 
right after the voice, I had never acted before in my life. I didn't know what a breakdown was. I didn't have a headshot. They were just <laughs> like, come audition for Glee, come audition for this show. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was really bad. I finally had somebody tell me the truth and was like, you're not great right now. You need to get into group acting classes. You need to go to improv classes. You need to do the work because there's opportunities they're coming for you and you're not ready for them. So I, I auditioned for Star Wars for um ray like oh my gosh i got these crazy opportunities that people huge auditions yeah people would have killed for the auditions i went into and i was the person who was like wandering back and forth looking directly into the camera (laughs) like just like doing arm things like i just didn't know what acting was and then finally i just buckled down and got into class and started studying really hard and learned that way but yeah, talk about getting opportunities when you're not ready. And and now I'm just like, oh, if I could just get those opportunities now. But of course, I've had, you know, 2020, it's like I've had four auditions this whole year. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you had a movie, you had a movie come out in 2020. Tell us about this. Tell us about this holiday yeah. movie that just came out. Yeah, um, we shot it in early February literally oh. right before the shutdown. Just before. Oh, how nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to like just, Yeah. It was Great. just hitting and we were kind of like, what is going on? Is it, is our thing shutting down and things are getting really, you know, stressful on set, but we finished right before everything got weird and it was a really small indie movie. So it was a small cast and crew anyway. So yeah, we shot and they put it together really quickly and it just came out and it's called, I hate new years. It's on video on demand and Amazon and all those places. And it was really fun. It was the first time. I was on set for more than, you know, two or three days. Right. One of your co-stars in it is literally one of my favorite performers ever, Candace Kane. Uh, Um, What was it like working with Candace, the legend, the icon? (laughs) Because she's so fantastic. Yeah, she's so great. And the, the thing that I love about her is there were a lot of times when her footage was all done and or her, what's it called? Her coverage. Her coverage was all done and she could just leave. And she always stayed there and always read with me, always. Oh, and there was true pro. really cold and it was outside. <laughs> and, you know, she was not on at all. And she would just stay there. And there was one time where I had a, like a kind of a monologue towards the end. And she was just recording me on her phone for the film. And they were like, okay, we're good. And she stayed and she held the phone, even though it wasn't in the uh, scene or the shot. And I just looked at her and it was so helpful to have her there instead of, you know, somebody on set, PA crew member coming in because she just has that empathetic, like warm, you know, very much like Allison, just like very like listening and like you feel like the, the their stare is like a hug. And I was just like, oh, I need you so much right now. So Candace was so great and just a great lesson to always be there for your fellow actor, no matter what, I don't care if it's snowing. I don't care yeah. if you're in a submarine under the water, stay there for the other person. It's such a, such an important lesson. That's, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you had that wonderful experience and, yeah. and definitely looking forward to, to checking that out. So everybody make sure that you go on Amazon and video on demand and check out, I hate New Year's. Yeah, I love it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. It's so exciting. I mean, this is just, she's just a delight. This is so exciting. And a testimony to, you had the opportunity, you put in the work 
and now you're, the, the work is already starting to pay off. So just a, that's just a really encouraging and wonderful trajectory. Um, we wanna make sure that uh, you have the platform here to plug anything else you want to plug. Tell our listeners where they can find you on socials, how they can get your music, where, where you want to be seen and where you wanna connect with them. Yeah, um, I'm just at Dia Frampton or at Dia Framps on Twitter. And I guess the thing that makes the most sense right now is the Megan Dia December Darling holiday album is out on Spotify. So want some Christmas music? It's there for you. Oh, that's awesome. I think it's fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited. And it was so fun to hear about you. You are so, listen, something Blake, I just want to reiterate as we're wrapping up here. You hearing someone say you need to do the work and not running away from it and actually doing the work and coming back and being able to say, oh my gosh, now I'm ready. I wish I had those opportunities. Bring them on. That is a real artist. That is a real creative because a lot of people would hear that and get angry, get ashamed, get guilty, get all the emotions and run the other way. And just, you could go hide in your music Yes. and be tremendously successful like you are, but and you, you said, and you didn't, you embraced it and you jumped in both feet. That is huge. So I have major, major respect, kudos, all of it for you. And it's really something to be super proud of. Oh, super proud. the best. I feel so warm right now. It's just so nice to see you guys and be here and what a year, but what a year. <laughs> <laughs> but we're so we're so grateful to you for sharing your stories and and coming on. I know that our listeners are just going to love uh, getting to know you more through this interview. So thank you so much, Dia. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, what a darn delight. I Dia is. Lo- I mean, I loved her before we started the interview. I love her even more. But she's smart. Her intelligence and her like grace and compassion and passion and her honesty honesty that was what I was thinking of like just the openness and the honesty and I just think so many people can relate to the concepts that she told us about even though we're not all as expert level at various things as she is but in our own way I think everybody can really pull something from what she was saying yeah and the way she's she's fearless you know I mean People might think she's a little timid or not as brave as you might think, but talk about a fearless, creative warrior who like jumps in and says, yeah, I'm here. I'm here, coach. Put me in. Yeah. And has let nothing knock her down. I mean, just has kept going at every turn and just achieving and achieving no matter what happens. It's really inspiring. I I would for sure say don't ever underestimate her. No. Because... She's bringing it. And if you're in an audition room with her, don't (laughs) underestimate that one because she's coming. She's bringing it. She's bringing it. What a delight. What a delight. Absolutely. So fun. All right. So it's time for our new, new favorite segment. (laughs) I like this segment. A segment that we call She Gets It. Who gets gets it? it. Who gets it? She gets it. We Mm -hmm. love to to talk about people that just just get it. They just get it. So here's my She Gets It. And this one's been sort of percolating for a while. This one, this one's, you know, kind of been coming at me over the past few months that like, she just always gets it. You know who gets it? Dolly Dolly Parton gets it. Yes. She gets it. She 1000% gets it. She gets it. Yes. 
Yes. And we share birthday. We share birthday. That's right. Of course she does. Dolly, and and I, this actually ended up being a good tie-in for this week because Dia talked about how her roots in country music and how she grew up listening to and singing country. Which was so hilarious little, that her father told her she couldn't do it. And I, We need to have her back on again because I want to get into the, uh, the, the biracial element of that and how hard that must have been for a young performer being Asian American, being half Korean, and literally her own father being like, I'm so sorry, honey, that avenue is not available to you because of your Asian heritage. Like- And Utah, and I think there's so much, I mean, we definitely- so, Yeah, there's so much there. Okay, anyway, back to Madam Dolly. Back to Dolly. Back to Dolly she gets it. it, she gets it, she knows who she is. She's, she knows what lane she's in. She owns the lane, she owns the bus, she drives the bus on the lane that she owns. I, I mean, the million dollars to the COVID vaccine. Oh. The, the, uh, it took me the Christmas special. To text you. It took me everything not to text you when that came out a few months ago that she yeah. gave the million dollars to the because I was like, I'm sure he's received this a thousand times. He doesn't need it from me. But a amen on that. The Christmas specials, just her whole look All of from it. head to toe for the All past, you know, 50 years. I she gets it. Yep. And never a crossword. No. The kindness. Yep. And the grace, like talk about grace, gratitude, grit, and guts. She all gets it. it on every level. All four. She's got all four. Listen, well done this week. I agree with you. She gets it. She, she gets it. She gets it. All right. It's time for some <laughs> trivia before we go. That just made me so happy. I'm still there. Go ahead. I'm ready for the trivia. Go ahead. So since our uh, special guest today was a finalist on the first season of The Voice, our yep. trivia comes from the second season of The Voice. If you all can turn your brains back to 2012, I believe it was, because she was on in 2011. I, maybe, I don't know. I, think. Okay. I don't know. Whenever season two of The Voice was. The winner of season two of The Voice, Jermaine Paul, he mm. started his career as a backup singer for what multiple Grammy award winning icon who just happens to be one of my favorite artists of all time. I know, I know the answer to this. To find out the answer to our trivia, join us on our Patreon. Please join us at patreon.com slash the con artist podcast. And you can also follow us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at the con artist pod. Talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking. We want to interact with you. Let 2021 be the year that we get to know all of you even better. So yes. check us out and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, have a great week. See you next week. Bye.